How's it going, everybody? Wherever you listen to this podcast right here, this is the Temper Zone Podcast with your host, me, Amir Max, and that's all facts. We are back with another one for y'all, man. And ladies and gentlemen, my special guest on the podcast today. I'm not going to lie, y'all. I, I usually don't have YouTubers on. I usually have artists from Boston. We based in Boston, Massachusetts out here. But today I needed to have this guy on because I'm a big fan of his content. Been watching this stuff for a while now. A real uh, journalist to the core and does real research. If you knew nothing about hip-hop, this is the guy I would send you to to fill you in and inform you. And you would actually sound like you're a hip-hop head because this guy right here knows what's up. He's the company man. Uh, he says he doesn't have the answer to all these questions, but he usually has the answer to it. I got Justin Hunt with me, man. Justin, how's it going, man? Word up, man. And I'm active and awesome, man. Pleasure to be here. Awesome, man. You know, that's that's really dope to hear. You know, I um you know, I've I've noticed you've been uh on a grind more so recently than uh in the, the past few months, man. Uh what what got you to 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 decide to just pump out the content the way you are now? It seems like there's this like re relit of, you know, your brand going on. So tell me what what sparked that. Yeah, you know, I looked up and I hadn't done a breakdown. I did one breakdown in three years. That's crazy. And, yeah. you know, for my channel, but also for my audience and my own reputation, that's the product I'm most known for. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, just to, to go three years without doing one, you know, really hit me in my face. Well, I did one in three years, right? So basically, um, I looked up and I was like, wow, I can't believe it's it's been that long. You know, I've had other things that, that I've been building and working on at the same time. I wrote for television for uh, a couple of seasons on uh, a show called Court Cam. So that okay. was really taxing. It's always tough for me to write breakdowns, but I'm also writing a lot of other things. So yeah, that's part nice. of the reason, you know, uh, I worked at Empire, the record label for a couple of years, um, signed an artist named Willie Jones. He was a country artist. I don't really rock with country, but I rock with <laughs> Willie Jones. Yeah. Um, and so there was a lot of traveling and moving and learning, you know, that, that came along with that experience. So that also made it really difficult to do breakdowns. Um, and then coming into this year, I just moved into uh, a studio loft in downtown Los Angeles, you know, it's a creative space. Uh, and probably the you know, with the full intent on, on creating more conversations online one way or the other. And then Lupe's album, Drill Music and Zion. Yeah, man. Word up, right? So anybody that knows me or knows my work knows I'm a super, super Lupe fan. So the timing ended up being right when it came to that. And so I uh, dropped that video, the breakdown of that album, and I just felt invigorated. It felt, it felt like the right time. It felt like there are so many things I've been wanting to talk about that I haven't expressed through that medium. Um, and so I decided, I, you know, I just wanted to have fun. And right now I'm just having maybe the most fun I've ever had doing this, doing this series here. So it's good to be back. Yeah, man, that's that's really dope to see, you know, and I, I've, I've definitely noticed like, you know, you've been hitting like a real stride, like with, with, your, with your videos and stuff. And, and it's funny you mentioned that, with uh, you know, Drill Music and Zion got you to get back into, you know, doing the stuff. That's how I feel with Kendrick's new album. It got me to like write more and, 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 and you know, get more back in more into the content and stuff, man. What, what do you what do you think it is about music that does that? Because like it's not like you make music, but that album, that Lupe album got you back into your grind. You know, what, what, what makes you think music has that power on people like that? I know that's like a big question, but. <laughs> it is. I mean, I'm not sure when it comes to music necessarily. I know what it is with me and hip hop, though. Like hip hop yeah. is is the most competitive genre culture, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like every element of the culture is inherently competitive. You know, graffiti artists are trying to get their tag or get their masterpieces as many places as possible. Break dancers are literally battling. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, you've got you've got DJs that are you know trying to make people dance more, trying to own the crowd for that night, and you got MCs, you know, who are trying to show the that they're the, the 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 nicest on the microphone, right? Yeah. And so that's one of the things that's always I've always gravitated towards when it comes to hip hop, particularly. And I think that aspect of it bleeds into my own life where when I hear something crazy, you know what I mean? Or something that's inspiring. It makes me, it, 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 it 
ignites my competitive juices, so to speak. And uh, especially from a journalism side, like, okay, how can I flip this conversation in a way that most people probably ain't, right? Like, I mean, there's certain things that I could do very fast that are also very common and truthfully probably would give me a whole lot more views on YouTube, you know, reaction videos. You know what I mean? Like reaction videos, it takes a real talent and consistency to react to everything that's happening and be entertaining at the same time. Big shout out to Sean C. He's amazing at that, right? Yeah. He's or, really or album. Re- he's really good. Or like reviews, you know, like, you know, dead end hip hop, Fantano, like these guys, you know, have two different approaches to how they review a project and, um, are masters at their crafts, you know what I mean, in my opinion, you know? And so, and I tend to live more in a think piece kind of place, right? Because my brand is life through the lens of hip hop, right? That gives me the freedom to react to stuff if I want to. It gives me the freedom to do a, a review if I want to, but it also really gives me the freedom to really bridge life and what's happening in the music in a way that I don't know, I enjoy, you know what I mean? That's the kind of stuff that I would want to watch, you know, with, if I, it's, it's, a, it's the type of stuff that I used to enjoy reading the most when I was growing up. I always felt yeah. like the, the editorials in the source or double XL or vibe, those were always my favorites or the profile pieces that you might find in, Village Voice, New York Times, LA Times. Those are always my favorite reflections of what's happening with an artist or what's happening in the culture. And I think that there's not a lot of those types of conversations that you can find online or in YouTube. So I try to do that with video. Yeah, man. You know, it's funny that you say that because I really noticed that like some of these channels that like talk about hip hop, they'd be focused on like the drama and, 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 and just negative stuff that, paints hip-hop in this not the best light and, and it's, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because i was looking at your channel and your most viewed video is about six nine getting beat up <laughs> i don't know you i don't know if you know that but like i saw I that, that. Oh, i'm I like know that. okay i was gonna say like of course his most viewed video is about some violence like what what, what do you feel about that when you see that do you does it make you want to like try to talk about something that you could talk like that is violence related or are you just like well that's gonna be that how do you look well at that? I, you know I, I think there's a lot of ways to create friction right yeah. i mean that that conversation i mean those are friends of mine those exactly that's a yeah you yeah know what I'm so um, they just so happened to beat up six nine at the airport. It, was it just, just yeah. so happened. <laughs> just so happened. They just yeah. happened to do that, you know. <laughs> and I saw them on TMZ, and I said, "Y'all, we got to talk about this immediately," you know. And I don't, I don't knock um, because, truthfully, to a degree, to talk about the unsavory sides of the culture is also part of what's happening in the culture. So I don't deride or hate on anybody who takes that approach. Um, I knew that video was going to blow up. I mean, the timing was right. And I'm, and, and to this day, I think I might be the only ones that captured that. I mean, they, my man still had a bruise on his eye in the conversation. (laughs) It was like that week, you know what I mean? So, um, I mean, those kind of moments you can't predict necessarily. And I don't, in my opinion, I don't think those are the type of moments that it would make sense for me to chase. Right. Because what would happen is ultimately I would alienate my community, which is, you know, mm-hmm. vibrant and, you know, deep thinkers and international, you know, yeah. I would alienate them. And then I would try to replace them with, you know, an audience that really don't need me. Like I would always be behind TMZ. You know what I mean? I'll always be behind entire organizations that cover that type of thing every single day. Um, so I wasn't surprised, but even though, like, even if you really look at it, right, like I don't have my channel in front of me, but most of my top viewed videos, no, that's not true. I can't even say that, but let's take this last (laughs) nine weeks. Let's take this last nine weeks right here. Right. Yeah. The two most, there's the four most successful videos. The first one was the Lupe drill music and Zion breakdown. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, from a view standpoint, we'll say most successful. The Drill Music and Zion Breakdown, that's because Lupe fans wanted to hear what I think because I'm a Lupe fan like them. I'm a part of that community, right? So I knew that one was going to do what it did. For sure. Um, The second one was 
this mu this video made everybody super upset, which I actually framed, I actually gave that the headline, right? And that really was sort of a bait and switch in a sense because yes, it did make everybody upset, but it really was just about the the rap shit HBO show and their outrage marketing campaign. To me, that worked really well. But mm -hmm. here's this white chick on the on the thumbnail with like Spelman College in the background. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> and she was over here taking Amaretta's song, not Atlanta, right? So there's friction right there. People want to show up and hate. It looks like something they want to hate on. Let's go figure out how happily we can hate on this together, right? That's what that looks like. Um, and then there's game going out sad, right? Well, that's called game going out sad. Mm -hmm. So anybody who doesn't like game which he has a lot of people who, you know, maybe like his music, but don't like anything else. And a lot of people who just don't like him at all. You take that with what was the running conversation, game dissing Eminem. Okay, well, everybody from Eminem team going to show up, and they want to see game going outside. That's right? a big fan base, so they're going to show up. It's <laughs> a big fan base. And then, you know, not and the piece I did two weeks ago with Jay-Z's been a billionaire too long, eat the rich, right? Now, you can argue from a headline standpoint, all – Three of the four of those, except for the Lupe one, look like diss tracks. Mm -hmm. It looks like I'm making diss tracks, right? And so I've learned over the years that there are ways that you can give people that feeling that they're about to see some violence or some unsavoriness or someone spaz on something they don't like in a very traditional sense. You can hit that expectation and still take them in a different direction. You know, because the Jay-Z, Jay-Z been a billionaire piece isn't even a diss on Jay-Z at all. No. I mean, it's like bigging them up, the whole first half of it. And then I plainly say that I'm not mad at the dude, but he does have this pattern of saying things that don't really vibe no. with the culture that supported him, you know, throughout his career. I mean, people... A lot of arguments I had in the comment section off that video would say stuff like, oh, when you get successful, people start hating on you. We ain't never hate on Jay-Z. Yeah, people love like... Jay-Z the whole time. Yeah, the whole <laughs> okay. time through. Yeah, through everything. Even when he sold his thing on uh, uh, Samsung and got like a million dollars off, like a million record sales off of it. No one, everyone was like, yeah, get your money, Jay-Z. Right. You know? <laughs> so, Jay-Z yeah. stabbed a dude. He stabbed Un. It's not a secret. He's made songs about it. He wrote about it in his book. He stabbed a dude because the dude leaked his record. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like open information. <laughs> yeah. People still showed up and bought the record. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? They could have downloaded it. They still bought it. People bought People bought Rockaware. Hove wasn't even wearing the clothes he was selling. People would buy the Rockaware. He wasn't even wearing the Rockaware. We bought it anyway. You know <laughs> what I'm so saying? True. Like yeah. We buy his <laughs> liquor, his alcohol, all the stuff. So, you know... That's what the piece really is about. It's about how we look at billionaires and billionaire, this billionaire population particularly, to me is different than someone being a millionaire or someone being well off or someone having a successful business. This billionaire population in this country is agnostic of rules in a way that most people can't even really fathom. You know, we have things like lobbying in this country. We have legalized bribery. Right. We have things like Citizens United, which said money is the same thing as speech. The Supreme Court said money is the same thing as speech. Right. So we have these billionaires who kick platitudes, in my opinion. A lot of them sound similar to some of the things that I hope be saying. My presence is charity. Mm -hmm. But we have these we have these billionaires that kick these platitudes, preying on the ignorance of a population that's been defunding public schools my entire life. Right. And so that's really what the piece looks at. You could come in, so anybody, somebody might j jump in that video and was like, yes, I hate Jay-Z, I wanna hate on him too. Yes, oh, I, 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 I think that, uh, I hate capitalism, wanna hate on that too. Well, life is a lot more complicated than that. It's not a light switch, it's more like a dimmer. And I try to capture that in my commentary. Yeah, man. No, I mean, well, well said right there. And I think, um, I think that piece definitely did a good job. And I, you know, you got to look things at both sides and, you know, that's just a problem with media in general. Not everyone's like looking at it both ways. You know, you could have easily went at Jay-Z there and found a way to like dig at him and like, look at this billionaire and thinking he's for the people. But it's like, nah, like you gotta, you gotta look at everything. It's, it's not as black and white as people want it to be. And I think honestly, that's why your content does so well. Cause you're looking at it from all these different lenses. You know what I'm saying? Right. So 
It's definitely Appreciate good that. to take. Yeah, man. It's definitely good you're taking that approach. But I definitely. Oh, yeah. No, the, okay. There's two things, though, but you, you said something earlier. No, for sure. There's two points that I didn't end up making in the Jay Z piece that, like, they're in my notes, they're in the early draft of the script. <laughs> Just and, get to it. and I was like, man, I'll be forcing it a little too much if I try to get over there. But yeah. one thing I don't like about billionaires is like they spend so much time trying to be loved and be loved at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't even care. You know, if I could just control all the levers, I don't need you to like me. But a lot of these guys, this new high profile billionaire class, which I said specifically, they want you to love them, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's that's weird. Um, and two. To your point about Kendrick, because Kendrick actually was when I started getting the wheels turning on how um, I wanted to do a breakdown on it. Because I haven't touched that album yet from a breakdown standpoint. And there's a huge part of my audience who loves my Kendrick pieces. My Kendrick pieces are truthfully are the most watched on the channel. Oh, yeah, right? My good, yeah. <laughs> a good Kid Mad City piece, the one with Kendrick and Lupe, Still Like an Artist. Yep. Uh, uh, Hardest Generation Alive, which uses a song off Damn to talk about, you know, the millennial generation. Like those are, Kendrick is consistently in, in the top viewed on my channel and my audience really, really appreciates the way I talk about him. And that goes back to Hip Hop DX too, right? So mm -hmm. when Kendrick says, where the hypocrites at? Well, community feels they're the only one relevant. I love that Where the hypocrites, <laughs> yeah. I think that community is. I think that's the one. Yeah. I don't know if Kendrick meant that, but that's how I look at it. Yeah. Because <laughs> <Like, Yeah. laughs> the way these guys talk, it's like, pay more in taxes. <clears throat> Are you 2%? Well, what you understand is we're doing things the government doesn't want to do. We're providing a service, and us being here is charity. Mm -hmm. Where the hypocrites at? Where the, what communities feel they're the only ones relevant? And I wow. wanted to put that in there so badly, but I felt like that would have been a little bit too much. You know, so we'll see. Yeah, you might might leave that off. Yeah, man, it's funny you say that line. I always thought he was talking about just different races, you know, like different right. races. Yeah, yeah, that's what it, you might think. But yeah, billionaires that actually, wow, yeah, because I mean, he definitely talks a lot about you know, you know, wanting to like work with people who may help out, but they really just want money at the end of the day. So like, mm -hmm. you know, he talks about like on Savior, you know. And, and stuff like that so yeah man it's funny i, I definitely think you should definitely do a, a kendrick breakdown man it's it's only right but it's a very dense album you could take it a lot of different approaches if you, if you want to break that album down you know yeah it was very difficult to because i have a script already for it but i don't really like it um and fair, yeah. this kendrick this Kend uh, not Kendrick's album, I'm saying. I, did, like, no, I don't no, like my script. Yeah, your script. No, I, I knew what you meant. No, yeah, but good, good to yeah, clarify. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good to clarify. Yeah, this yeah. kid's like, yo, Justin Hutt doesn't like Kendrick's album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so this, well, say this is a different Kendrick experience for me. This is sure. a different, different Kendrick experience for me because this is the first Kendrick album I've ever heard where I had to, where I took a third of the album that I liked and created its own playlist because when I listen to the album, I'm pressing skip too much. I feel like Kendrick almost did too good on this album. You know what I mean? Like, Yo, for, it is so dense, man, with like the therapy and all that stuff. Like, I don't think people realize, like, this is like an album that you could take like a year to dissect. <laughs> and I think it deserves that. It does. Right? And that's, that's sure. the reason why I didn't put out my piece, because my opinion on it was evolving so quickly. And I knew whatever I said, I didn't feel like it was going to, be substantial enough but i also had to create a separate playlist for the joints that i rock with and i've never had to do that with a kendrick album and that's like a third of them on this album like it's like was it 18 tracks 12 of them i made a playlist of 12 i took six songs and i'm just <laughs> leave them over there somewhere else and it's not because they're bad it's because like they just hit too hard for me in a lot of situations yeah i probably i think right? i know what six you're talking about too yeah i mean i get yeah. it <laughs> i get it you yeah. know it's like that. And and then I'm also really not into like spoken word tracks. You know what I mean? Like they're one time listen to me just on top. I, you know, I like Kodak Black. I feel like there's too much Kodak Black. I don't need him every time he shows up in terms <laughs> think, of my, me listening. I think everyone was shocked with the Kodak Black on the project. I saw him on there like two times and he was on it like for a third time in the interlude. I was like, whoa, like we got a lot yeah. of Kendrick on there. Kendrick really likes this guy. Oh, you know, that's all I could think to my head. But I was like trying to put it together. I was like, you trying to like show like, Kodak is an example of what he could be like, you know, from a different lens, how people might see yeah. him like so. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it's like, you know, he's like Flavor Flav and Kendrick Shug D, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and and 
you know, obviously the We Cry Together track, I mean, that's it's probably the best fighting song I ever heard, but I do not want to hear that every day. Mm. And like, you know, um, Auntie Diaries, beautifully done. It's not some certain types of concept tracks just don't have a lot of replay value. And that's what I mean. These songs are all super potent. I just don't want to listen to them. And that's fair. Now, now I'm down to like a third of the album, right? <laughs> now, how great is any album if you only want to hear a third of, if you if you don't want to hear a third of it you know what i mean i don't i don't have to answer these questions yeah no hey <laughs> you know man no, it's, a, it's it's true i couldn't answer that one either man i don't think a lot of people can answer that that's a, but it's, it's it's true though man and um you made a, a goat piece on kendrick right you, you, you yeah, have, yeah 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 man it's is uh is is kendrick still in, in the goat conversation right yeah, now he probably, he probably moved up a slot you know probably moved I mean? up a slot yeah, yeah probably I moved feel up that. a slot you know, I, I mean, look, the things he's accomplished and the way he's accomplished them, you, in, anyone saying he's not in there is either ignorant or just locked into their own personal preference. But it's objective at this point. Yeah. He sold all he done. He proved he can make the commercial records. He proven he can make really deep records. He's proven he can make, you know, Negro spirituals. You know, he had the soundtrack to a uprising. Um, you know, like what else is there for this dude to do? He won a Pulitzer right? Prize, like award. Like, I didn't even know that was like possible for a rapper to win. <laughs> right. So you know, I think. Uh, but when I made that piece, people thought I was crazy. Yeah, that was a while ago. If you think about it, because like it's so like obvious right now, like yeah. Kendrick's in the goat conversation. But when you made that video, it was definitely still like up in the air, you know, or people might even question it but right now it's like yeah. it's pretty obvious like he's go he's goaded you know <laughs> right it's obvious now i mean i did it in 2016 yeah 20s yeah so after after it's a pippa butterfly damn after i did it after yeah it was pippa, yeah 2016 so i did it i think it was 2016 yeah it was definitely 2016 because i tore my achilles and i did that on one leg yeah and i did it off 2016 based off of uh section 80 good kid mad city to pippa butterfly that's crazy. Right? Well, if you look at hip hop history, we were calling these cats goats with way less. I know, yeah, it's true. That's so true. Yeah. <laughs> like Biggie was the goat. He he had one album they were calling him the king of New York. You know, he gets he has three discs, you know, by the time he, he dies, unfortunately. He's the goat. You know what I mean? Um, they gave that to Nas so early. <laughs> Nas showed up with one album. They were like, he's the god, he's the one. You know what I mean? It's just now in this generation, and I think it's my generation's fault because we're the, you know, the, we're the stingy ones now. Like, we're now the old heads in the room that are comparing everything to what we we grew up with, yeah. and nostalgia is a hell of a drug. So now we're, we're, putting, we're pumping the brakes on everybody else, and I think that's okay to a degree. I just think Kendrick's way outside of that, that conversation. Like, you got to give people like Kendrick that same praise because – they're, he's taking the more difficult route. Yeah, he's selling records with messages at the. He's an album artist in a single era. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and he's proven he could do both. Yeah, I've always felt that way with Kendrick. He's like he's not afraid to address those issues, and I think that's one of the, also the reasons that people will get at Drake because Drake Drake will avoid. I've like. Drake avoids every political issue. I think it's the one thing I would ever knock on Drake. Someone's like, yo, like, what's one thing bad you have to say about Drake? I'm like, he's scared to talk about anything political. Yeah. And like, can you blame him? Because it's like, at this point, it's like, it might be too late for him to try something. Yeah, and look, he's, you know, he, he got a bar mitzvah and he gets to say nigga. He's from Canada. Maybe his issues aren't even the issues, you know. I don't know. You know, maybe... That's a huge knock that I have against him, but I don't necessarily think that's something that you know doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, I feel I I, I totally understand that. It's just if I had one one thing to pick out about Drake, I always told people that it's like it's the only thing. But it's like it's not really like really a knock. It's like everyone has their own lane in this rap game, and it's like you gotta you gotta get right. it where you can fit in. You know, people can't do everything. Yeah. It's just not how that works. Somebody gotta be Curtis Blow. There gotta be a Curtis Blow. Yeah, you know, and I think and I think. Um, because he can only talk about himself, you know, like even if you're not doing political stuff, there's certain elements and aspects of that I appreciate in an MC that he just can't do. Like he he, he doesn't do third person stories, right? Like he can't just tell a cool story that he's not a part of. He has to pull from his own life, which I think there's power in that.
but I also think there's a marginalization or that could be a little bit more narrow. One thing I want to ask you to talk to you about with your GOAT conversations, which I really appreciate, is that you will mention GOAT conversations with rappers that no one would ever think you should. Like, Kendrick is obvious. It's like, it's, it's day, but then, like, you do, like, Tech 9. Like, Royce to 5-9. Right. Like, has anyone ever come at you and be like, yo, like, dude, you're so wrong with this. Like, what are you doing? Like, what do, has there any been, like, any feedback like that? Because I totally get it. Like, I totally get why you'd make those type of yeah. videos. Every, every video has a population that says that. Yeah. So that's probably the most common thing. But the tech novel was sort of the inverse. Like, it was a GOAT piece, but it was really looking at why Tech Nine isn't considered the goat. Like, like, like he's. If you look at all the stuff he's accomplished, like he seems like one of those people that would just have this core group of fans within hip hop that think of him that way. And I think it's because Tech Nine doesn't have black fans, right? So if you don't have black fans, can you even be the goat? I don't yeah. have to answer these questions, <laughs> but <Yeah>. Tech Nine <laughs> would be the one. <laughs> but his fans are like, you know, ICP fans or fans of like, you know, nowhere Idaho. He doesn't he doesn't have the uh he doesn't crack the, you know, he doesn't crack the South like that. He doesn't crack black culture. And he calls that out. He he knows he yeah. spent he spent a lot of time saying, Oh, this is the one I'm gonna get black fans. Or oh, I got Little Wayne on this one. I'm about to get black fans now, you know. So yeah, the song with T Pain. <laughs> right. You know? It's like, okay. Um, but like I just did Tyler, right? And yeah. that's a piece I I wish I could I wish I had another shot at that one because I ultimately didn't there's some things I wanted to do with it, but I didn't have time and then I don't I'm super deadline focused, so I didn't get a chance to round out that discussion the way I want to. But Tyler is interesting, right? Because his last three projects, this music is fantastic. Fantastic. Like, like I mean, you, his last three albums to me are of the quality of just about, just about every rapper's best three albums. Just about. I agree. Right? Oh, yeah. I'm a big Tyler fan, man. Like, I think he's, I think he's incredible. You know what I mean? And you look at the range of sounds he has now. Yeah. You look at the impact on culture and particularly how he has issues palatable to a population that doesn't ride with it at all, right? Like Tyler doesn't get any hate anymore for putting himself out there in conversations that most rappers are, are, would run from and have traditionally stayed away from, you know what I mean? So there's a risk-taking element that supersedes even just his creative efforts. And to me, that is a goat type quality, right? Like, so if, if, if uh, someone came up to me on the street and said, Tyler, the creator from LA is the greatest rapper of all time, I might not agree, but I understand. And so that's the ultimate caveat for the goat pieces. It's really just a celebration of uh, incredibly accomplished, talented MCs. And I can tell and, and the respect I have for them. And if someone said that to me, to them, they think that person is the best ever. I wouldn't agree, but I get it. And Tyler's one of those guys. Yeah, man. It's, I feel like it took him like, it's, it's funny because he's, he's, he's been around so long. Like, if you look at it, but like it, it's you very rarely see artists in their latter years of their career do what he did. Like it's like Kendrick out the gate, J. Cole out the gate, Future out the gate. But Tyler, it was always that like thing he had to break through. But it was always obvious he was talented. It was always obvious he had the Pharrell influence, the Kanye influence. But it's just it's just crazy to see someone the like with the, their latest three albums be like their best three albums. It's just, just really a unique situation with him. And I think um, it, it's just it's just fascinating to see people finally come around and be like, all right, we, we can't deny Tyler the creator anymore, you know? Yeah, but I mean, also, I think Tyler is now at the point where he can't be denied. Now, whatever we think about Bastard or Wolf or Cherry Bomb, those are, those are extremely flawed projects. I know people like Wolf a lot more than I think Wolf gets credit for. Extremely flawed projects. Not the best representation of his ability to wield his art. 
And that's what I think is so, uh, so impressive because he still out the gate was a lightning rod of the culture. For you know, sure, definitely. Out the yeah. gate, he still was, you know, celebrated. He just hadn't become a great album maker level yet and that's usually the thing that if you don't get it in the beginning you never get it and that's what i love about you know the, the run tyler's on now yeah man uh, it's just it's just really fascinating to see what is uh break you know what is uh just you know just to come up in general you know what i mean tyler's just is just some um, something special um and i really appreciate you doing these goat pieces man because i just feel like too many times people look at the same artists and say oh that's the goat that's the goat that's the best that's the best but it's like you guys don't acknowledge you know this guy or that guy it's like you know we get we, we, we're always looking at these same artists and i feel like I know probably social media has something to do with that. You know, everyone just follows the trends. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, older generations of rap fans. You know, if you if you if you grow up in an environment, and all people say is Biggie Tupac, Biggie Tupac, Biggie Tupac, Nas, yeah. Biggie Tupac, Biggie Tupac, Biggie Tupac J. You know what I'm saying? It's like cracking that zeitgeist is not not the easiest thing. Mm-hmm. Nah, that's real stuff, man. Uh, my my next question I gotta ask you, man, is is, is there been a, a a video that you got like just a ton of backlash for? Like, the, was there any video you put out where people just like just like flat out disagreed with you? Like something that maybe you is not on the internet anymore? Like, <laughs> like, like, like is there anything that like, you ever had? You ever had a moment like that? Because every I, all your content, I, I I totally agree with, and I get where you're coming from. Yeah. So I got I I got one. I was like, man, like Justin's got to have something where it was like, oh shit, I think I might have jumped the gun on that one. Yeah, you know what? I don't. Um, I've never taken a video down. So you stand on you standing on your shit. Yeah, it's like you know. <laughs> If, if anything, because I, I I do have a video I'm about to mention, but like I never take a video down. You know, I'm one. I don't make diss tracks. I don't. I'm not out here talking crazy. So it's not like anything's a bad representation of me. You know what I'm saying? It's not like For the sure. decision stuff that like even if you disagree with me, you know the presentation is cool. But um, so I haven't done a breakdown. In, I did one breakdown in three years, but there was a point during COVID, either COVID or right after COVID, where I was like trying to capture the energy and rhythm of doing videos again. And so what I did was a bunch of different news pieces, right? That kind of had a breakdown feel to them, but they didn't go as deep and they didn't end the same way. And they weren't as, you know, um, evergreen in that context. And so I did a video that explained how <clears throat> my position that Nas's cryptocurrency Scarface bar was whack. Right. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I did that video, <laughs> and I talked about how, like, you know, ever since Nas, you know, became a businessman, you know, his raps hadn't been as good, right? Because I, I don't, I'm not I really, the, yeah, yeah, I'm not the you first, yeah, you can't talk about Nas. Okay. Yeah, any any Nas, any any criticism <laughs> of Nas, I've realized is not get taken not allowed. kindly. Yeah, not allowed. Right, and so, um. And but you know there's stuff in it. Don't get me wrong. It's it's not like me sitting at home just saying things. Like you know I I have inter videos of you know talks of Nas talk uh, videos of Nas talking about <clears throat> different points in his career where he was less I don't know motivated or less sharp and the surrounding circumstances that created him feeling that way. So it was supported, right? And I talked about how Lost Tapes too wasn't it because it wasn't. I uh, talked about how King's Disease felt like it was a Lifetime Achievement Award when he got the Grammy. It did feel like that. Um, and I said that, like, you know, maybe it's more difficult to be an artist when you're a businessman, which is kind of the takeaway. I got panned, okay? There's probably, there, ain't one, there is not one positive comment in that video. <laughs> you know what I mean? And truthfully, after I did that video, I was like, okay, maybe I need to start thinking through this stuff again. And then I stopped putting out, <laughs> I stopped even doing those news videos. <laughs> but I left it up. But so, you know, that piece actually still has stuck with me, right? Especially because I'm a huge fan of King's Disease too. And I love magic. Yeah, I thought I magic love was great. Magic. Yeah, love magic. Love magic. Oh, it's so crazy. It's amazing. And so I have a, you know, I have like 
the way that I pick topics each week, it really is two things. Like one, is there some prevailing conversation that's happening in the culture that I should tap into right now? Because if I don't do it, then I'll just miss the whole wave. It's like game going out sad. That was like, okay, if I talk about that then, or I'm just going to miss the whole thing. Um, Jay-Z been a billionaire too long. I missed it first week when it was about the track. And then he did that talk. And I was like, I got to do this now. If I don't do this now, then I'll never do it. So I've got to, and, and if there isn't something that's big every week, then I have a whole bunch of, well, I have a whole bunch, like right now I'm at, I've got eight different pieces either ready to go or almost ready to go that are more evergreen. Right. So any given week (laughs) I'm ready. Right. Which is the hardest part about doing breakdowns, which is the hard thing about not doing breakdowns. That's why I didn't do breakdowns for so long. Right. Because I'm writing for TV I'm working at record label, I'm doing all these things. And then now the breakdowns don't hit if they're a hundred percent reactionary. Right. They hit when there's something that's bigger that's happening that you can tap into. And it takes a lot of work and effort to, you know, put them together. And so because of all that other experience, I've got all these things like that just sit in the cut in the holster. And so the next week where there isn't a prevailing story, one of those pieces is I was wrong about Nas. Right. And that's how I would handle that. Like I already have that piece. I was wrong about Nas. Hey, play as fuck up. You know what I'm saying? And maybe this is an example of how incredible Nas truly is because he's in a position to where he's in, you know, super high level business conversations. You know, he's multi-millionaire, probably a couple hundred millionaire somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? And so, and yeah, we still got King's disease too. We still got magic. He's dropping more consistently. You know, I mean, in my opinion, this like, you know, he found his new premiere or his new, yeah, I mean, we, yeah. we want, we want more premier Nas, I think overall and what he's been able to do with hip boy, who is also someone who's caught a lot of, who catches a lot of flack. Like a lot of people talk about, they don't like hip boys beats. And I'm like, yo, this dude can make all the songs. Like, I don't get it. I think he's gelling well with, 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 with Nas. And I mean, he, he works well with big Sean too. I mean, I hip boy has always been somebody who I've always thought was a solid producer, but yeah. And I, I yeah. mean, I, I totally hear that there, but you know, it's funny that the, what you mentioned with like, you know, mixing the business with the music, it made me think of like Eminem and Snoop Dogg with the metaverse. And like, you see people like getting at that, but like, you just think like Eminem and Snoop are just ahead of the curb. Like, what do, what do you think of that? Them like mixing in the metaverse with their music? Um, well, I don't know how much we love Snoop's music. You know, I think he still makes it. And I think yeah. it's, and I think some of the stuff he makes is, you know, it hits, you know what I mean? Like, um, I can't even think of the albums right now, but like, there's a couple of them that hits well. And then there's other ones that are misses, you know, sure. like, yeah. and so I don't, I don't think we think about this Snoop as Snoop Doggy Dog. You know, no, no. this is Snoop Dogg. You know what I mean? Um, he's everywhere. He does, you know, the Etsy commercials yeah. and just the Corona. He's all over the place. He's Snoop right. Dogg. Yeah, he's, he's. I mean, if someone told me Snoop was writing his raps, I'd be like, stop lying. <laughs> stop yeah. lying. There's no way Snoop's writing his raps. Mm-hmm. Snoop's got, he's got to have a team in there with him. They go through everything together. I'm pretty sure he shows up and then the raps are there. You know what I mean? And then he flips him and bends him to how he wants. And that's not a knock. Nice. The dude's hosting the Olympics. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He still puts out like two albums a year. It's, <laughs> like, it's crazy. It really it's is. crazy. Yeah. So, you know, I don't, you know, so in that sense to me, that is an example of how it gets difficult to keep the art tight when you're, you know, spreading yourself too thin. Um, I, Eminem on the other side, I think that, Eminem is different to me because Eminem is an addict, right? Like, you know, he's, that's a public thing. You know, he's had, he he almost overdosed. He talked about how, I mean, there was an interview he did the other day on Paul Rosenberg's podcast where he talked about how uh, he thought his, he thought he ruined his brain with his overdose that he had in the 2000s, right? And so the life that he's lived since then has been really, really sheltered like he's sober but he's picked up other addictions like his he started there was the article he was talking about where he was running like 19 miles a day holy shit yeah i mean that is like that is addict behavior you know what i mean yeah and we know he's addicted to writing raps right and so when i listen to eminem's later work i hear some of the most incredible type rapping i've ever heard 
I don't necessarily hear songs that, you know, are going to go places, but I think he's rapping crazy. Um, and so I don't think he's lost that. And I'm not sure how hands-on he is in any business endeavor because of that. Yeah, I don't have any evidence that tells me Eminem is some titan of industry. I have all the evidence tells me that, you know, Eminem and Paul is the business side of it and Eminem is the, the artist side of it. So whatever both Em and Snoop are doing with the metaverse, you know, to me, doesn't necessarily take away from the, the art they're making or one way or the other. Because I think M is still super rhyme focused, art focused. And I think Snoop is still super enterprise focused. And I think that, you know, they're two sides of the same coin, right? Like Snoop, if someone told me Snoop was writing his raps, I'd be shocked. Shocked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's so I was true, like, yeah. I'd be shocked. I'm like, really? He did that? And I'm pretty sure, you know what I'm saying? Like, <clears throat> you know, I don't like to, to share things that I absolutely know for a fact that I don't think everybody knows for a fact. And I'm not going to say that this is one of those things, but I'm just saying I'd be shocked if Snoop was writing his raps. And I'd be shocked if Eminem was hands-on in any of his business endeavors. I'd be shocked, you know, yeah. for, for the same things. Um, I think they got to figure out what this board Ape stuff they represent really is about because that board Ape needs more attention to me, right? We saw F and Mecca get taken down because yeah, man. He, he said... <laughs> He said nigga in a song and fake police brutality, but yeah. the whole industry is behind board eight. That looks like there's way too many similarities <laughs> to the Nazi iconography <laughs> that yeah. those brands are based on. So, you know, you know, we'll see where that goes, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, you never know what it is. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors in entertainment. Yeah, man. Do, do you think with, with, um, music though, just not, not even just hip hop in general, but just, in music, do you think we're gonna end up drifting away from from genres? Do you think we're just gonna end up going into moods? Because you even just see just just the way the the business stuff is going, and you know what what's a rapper, what's not a rapper? You know, people you know like people will call Post Malone a rapper and Benny the Butcher a rapper, and they're clearly not rap the, the same. Like, what do you think that uh, music is going with the, the sound? You know, I think we'll always have genres. You know, I think one, I think human nature, human nature appreciates categorization. Yeah, yeah, we need that. Yeah, we need, you know? we need things to be structured in that way for sure. Yeah. And I think the economics behind the music industry is structured that way too. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, I mean, if you look at, but let's say we keep it in a rap cipher, right? Well, in a rap cipher, the definition of rapper changes all the time. Right. Yeah, you got a point there. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and if from the economics or the industry side of it, you can go look at the history. I know people don't like to look at the Grammys as a measure, but <laughs> the people in the Recording Academy are music industry professionals, including people who work in rap music, including the rappers themselves in a lot of cases. Yep. You know, and I've been in those committees where we're deciding if there's how much singing is too much singing to be a rap. You know, is there a, is a melodic flow a sing song flow or is it just a melodic rap? You know what I mean? Um, and at the same time, I don't think that just because you're rapping, that makes you hip hop. Right. Like mm. like like the devil, yeah. like there's there's a country song called The Devil Goes Down to Georgia. Devil Goes Down to Georgia. He was looking yeah. for a piece of he rapping his ass off. Yeah. It ain't hip hop. You mm -hmm. know? I don't like to think of Post Malone as hip hop, but I am not a Post Malone supporter in any capacity. I made a whole video called Black Rappers Are Going Extinct, and I explained why I don't like Post Malone. Right? I feel and, like, no, and all I did was tell what Post Malone did. But I, you can tell by the way I said that I'm not like Post Malone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I know plenty of people where you, that share your opinion, so it's, yeah. it's it's pretty it's pretty out there that people feel that way. <laughs> him, sure. on, him on his own is fine. Yeah, yeah. It's how definitely. he disses the thing he makes money off of. Like that's what I don't like. Your 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 first hit is called White Iverson. You've got cornrows, fronts, and tattoos, and you're talking about if you want something real, don't listen to hip hop. What? Yeah, <laughs> then why crazy. you stop dressing up like rap? Mm-hmm. Yeah, put your put your put the songs in a different genre then. Yeah. <laughs> right, but I think that but he wouldn't be cool over there. He had to start over here where he was cool first, and now he gets to live over there. Mm -hmm. Okay, now he gets to do that. You know, MGK is doing that same thing right now, right? So, you know, I think that when you um, 
separate the technique of rapping from what we consider hip hop, then it makes more sense that you will see people rapping and it not be in the same genre. Yeah. Because <clears throat> what you're saying right now, man, is gonna it's gonna stir some stuff up because people well, you know, some people call Flo Rider a rapper, some people don't. Some people call Pitbull a rapper, some people don't. Doja Cat. It's there's a lot of artists here that we can mention and this is this is where it gets, you know, a little tricky for some because you know, I, I think a lot of times people like if it's rapping, they're a rapper. They're you know, but it's like it's a little deeper than that. It's definitely a little deeper than that for sure. Yeah, and I think a lot of it too, you know from a branding standpoint that artists encounter just comes from the economics of the industry, right? Like, <clears throat> yeah, Doja Cat is a rapper, but she's not only a rapper, yes. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, truthfully, she's a pop star, right? But when it comes to winning awards, that's the <laughs> hardest category to win it, right? Because the pop category has got Taylor Swift, it's got Ariana Grande, it's Harry got Styles, yeah. Adele, Harry Styles, like just, just international, you know, mega acts and bands, right? And that's a pretty stingy category in a lot of these music organizations, Yeah, right? They always put Beyonce in R&B. Is it, can you be more pop than Beyonce? It's crazy, yeah. Like, she's so clearly pop, yeah. But why is she, so now why is she over in, why is she over there? Hmm, I wonder. We never, right? <laughs> so, you know, Doja Cat, Doja Cat's one of those people, right? Like, Doja, Doja, I mean, did she? She's still in the rap categories that I've seen. Maybe, maybe I'm, you know, I could be wrong at this she's point. A, I didn't. She's a unique situation because I feel like, you know, I, I don't know what it would be if I looked her up on, iTunes. That's usually well, that's how I specifically check to see the what genre. I'm talking about. That's yeah. what I'm specifically talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Go look it up right now. Let's see what she looks like. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see what <clears throat> genre they got Doja Cat under. This is something I do all the time when I hear yeah. certain artists. I'm like, is it gonna be R&B? Is it gonna be hip hop? Where Where are we gonna go with that? Yeah. I think it's gonna be hip hop rap. You know, and they, they might have some songs that they call pop, but I don't think that the Academy or the Recording mm -hmm. Academy or some of these organizations are putting her over there. Yeah, so her recent album, Planet Her, is uh, under pop. Okay. Her, her album before that, Hot Pink, is under R&B. Mm -hmm. And yeah, R&B. Her albums are R&B, but um, it looks like her, you know, it looks like uh, for the most part, they don't, I don't see anything that would, would be under hip hop. Well, R&B and hip hop are the same category for <laughs> a lot of these things. I mean, like if you look at the charts, like hip hop, R&B are always together. Yeah, which is you know ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the upside to that is that it makes black music the most popular music. Because if you separate them, then you're separating, you know, you're splitting up the two. Yeah, it definitely brings the powers together. Yep, for sure. Yeah, so, you know, there's upsides and downsides. But yeah, so this new one's a pop album. Let's see how, uh, let's see how it lives, you know, when it comes to wartime. Mm -hmm. let's, see, yeah. let's, see where, let's see where she goes. Yeah. <laughs> So for you, when it comes to like melody rapping, were, were you able to accept that as rap, or was it tough for you as someone who is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how, how, long, how, how long did it take you to to look at like a Don Tolliver and go, "This is hip hop"? Nah. Instantly, I'm a Bone Thugs and Harmony fan, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. See you at the crossroads, crossroads, yeah. crossroads. <laughs> Come on, man. You know, um, I love I love Missy, yep. <laughs> Missy yeah. Elliott. You know. Uh, you know, there was a point in time, I mean, it's, it's really, I always love thinking about things like this, right? Because I remember when there was a point in time where the R&B songs had to have a featured rapper. Yep. And then rap got bigger, then it's like, okay, now the rap songs had to have a featured R&B artist. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but there was a time right before that where the R&B artists would rap their own verse also. So yeah. Bobby Brown would Bobby Brown, sing his yeah. ass off and then he would show up and rap. Ralph <laughs> Tresvent, sing his ass off, show up and rap. You know what I mean? So those two worlds have always been really close in my mind because of things like that. And so I don't look at it just because someone is melodically rapping that they're they're, you know, they're not a rapper. I mean, I feel like Lil Dirk melodically raps all the time. Yeah. Every time I hear Lil Dirk. Maybe it's the way the autotune's hitting. Maybe it's the way he holds so certain, you know, for, uh, words or phrases. But he's still a rapper to me, you know. Um, 
And the same thing with Bone, Bone Thugs and Harmony, man. You know, like I love those guys. Yeah, man. No, absolutely. I mean, I just, I don't think I don't think these things are like that big of an issue. You know, I think there's fun fodder for internet conversation or lunch table debate or you know Thanksgiving arguments with your old uncles. You know, I yeah. think it's fun for the barbershop, but I don't think that you know these things are really that difference making because it's all under the same culture. Yeah, and, right. and you and you wouldn't say like these type of things would hold hip hop back. You think it definitely grows it and makes it better. A hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. Because I definitely see people that would say the contrary. You know, it'd be like, man, like there's there's not as much rapping as it used to be. You know, rappers aren't as hood or blah this blah that. But obviously, these are people who are cut from a certain cloth and how they look at the genre. So well, they still got plenty of that rap. And they say that's, that too. Like you can find that. You know. Yeah. I guess I guess what there's I, I take those people who make those statements, I take them meaning they want the most popular songs to sound like 1996. You know what I mean? Bingo. Yeah. And they <laughs> yeah. don't like how the most popular songs don't sound like that anymore, but we can make our own choices. You know, like what? I, I can't tell you, I don't know what the top 10 songs are right now. You know, like I can tell you top songs on popular playlists, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the top songs everybody hears you know i don't listen to the radio like that <clears throat> you know when i'm i don't even drive like i have a <laughs> I, like it's 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 cheaper for me not to have a car and safer <laughs> you know what i mean like my liability quotient is low i could just call uber if i need a if i need a car for a long period of time i'll just rent one and drop it off again you know what i mean so you know we live in a, a an era of options and we all have them you know, I think that people are just upset that the things that they like aren't popular anymore. And I think there's too many Rush Limbaugh's in rap music anyway. You know, a lot of these, mm. a lot of commentators have become <laughs> just very conservative from a hip hop standpoint. I'm not talking politically, but. No, for sure. Yeah. yeah. But like people who just want to be like the old days. No, we got to make <laughs> rap great again. Yeah. Oh, and they ain't kicking bars like they used to kick bars back in the day. You know yeah. what I mean? I and, even try to control myself with it, man, because, you know, I like to rap sometimes with like the lyrics and stuff like that. But sometimes I have to like hold myself back and be like, just because you're lyrical, it doesn't mean like you're better. It does. It really doesn't. You know, like, it doesn't. I mean, it's, it's a lot of it's what you're talking about. Like my criticism don't come from the styles. My criticism comes from the content from yeah. the production you know what i mean like you know the 808 like, music always sounds like the drugs of that era all genres do that like whatever drugs people are on that's what the sounds sound like right mm -hmm. and we've been in an opioid era for like 20 some years it's yeah <laughs> it's very depressed sounding tracks you know like the level of depression and mental illness that i hear in very popular songs and or very popular artists is where I think a lot of the, you know, my challenges with certain patterns tend to live, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we're, the music is reflecting of that time, but I don't necessarily hear a lot of success stories with people dealing with those type of traumas. I hear people reveling in them and I see them revel in them. And then, you know, um, that's it, you know, we, people used to talk about hip hop being too violent in the nineties. It's not nearly as violent as it is now. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know if that's necessarily the music as much as that's the technology. People are smoking, smoking their ops on the gram every day. People, I mean, you saw a PN, you saw having a PNB rock today. Yeah. Yeah. Praise you know, him. his girlfriend dropped his pin at Roscoe's tragedy struck, you know, like, I mean, that's Lupe said that he did a whole verse. It was like, Two lines. Rappers die too much. That's it. That's the verse. Yeah. Power. And and that's 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 what I see. You know, like so it's not how you're rapping. I you know that's just a preference thing. Um, but what the energy that you're bringing, you know, <clears throat> is the thing that I think leaves the most lasting impression. And we have an era where our top artists spend a lot of time, even ones that aren't even you know talking about drugs like we have a we're reveling in excess to a degree that um feels void of things that used to be very primary when it came to hip-hop you know mm -hmm. hip-hop always there was always some hit songs that were 
about stopping the violence, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. like I, one of the pieces um, that I have in the queue is the little baby experience. I went to see little baby in uh, South Carolina and going to that show. And um, little baby is like, I rem- you know, I remember when my way dropped, when my turn, when my yeah, turn, my turn dropped, yeah. mm-hmm. my turn dropped. And I was like, this dude just teleported. Like, <laughs> How did he get to rapping this good so fast, right? Um, it's crazy how fast he got good, man. <laughs> crazy how fast he got good, right? Now, a lot of people think he might be on performance enhancers, but either way, he he got crazy good, right? And then he made a protest song. Mm-hmm. Drake ain't made no protest song. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not an expert on his recent catalog like that, but I don't know Future's protest song. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Future has one. <laughs> I don't know the baby's protest song. Yeah, you know, like you try to make Rockstar that, but it's not really. <laughs> it, it didn't hit like that. No, it didn't, no, it no. didn't capture. It didn't. No. It's called Rockstar. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, so, little baby made one, and it hit. It like hit that, hard. <laughs> that's a trans. That's a that's a multi generational track right there. You know what I mean, and you can see it in the audience when I went to the show, right? So. That's the kind of thing that I think about more than how people are rapping. Like, how are people using their platforms, both on and off wax, you know? Yeah, man. That's real stuff right there, man. Um, uh, Justin, you know, we're, we're, I think we're coming up a little bit close to the time, but I want to ask you one more question, just particularly, you know, with your come up in the music industry as a journalist. Um, you know, it's very clear that you have a lot of integrity in what you put out. It's clear that everything that you're – putting on your channel is something that has some sort of substance what type of advice would you give to anybody who's trying to get in the same field as you who wants to address hip-hop in that way what's some advice that you would give them that you wish someone gave you when you were on your come up one read (laughs) read you know what i mean that starts that's a good start yeah (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. and and unfortunately some of these guys ain't reading you know (laughs) Right. I mean, and it's easy not to read. It's, it's not. So easy. It's very easy to get away with not reading. I can go sure. get TikTok financial advice right now. You know, come up. Um, but the reason I say that is um, I still view myself as a journalist, you know, and that's separate than necessarily a personality. Like, I'm a journalist who presents well, right? Visually, I present well at the same time. But the core of what I do is still in how I talk about what I'm talking about. And that's a product of reading, not only for other people's perspectives, but how other people frame things, you know, how to use different literary devices or mnemonic devices so that your points stick longer. How to, for me, it's super crucial. I mean, at this point now, like I, Social, doing the social media cuts of my videos used to be the worst part. I was like, oh, my God, I got to do social after this. I used to hate that. I, I think I think all the editors hate that, man. <laughs> right. But now I'm at the point where I just go ahead and write certain parts for social. I'm like, okay, I know when I get to this part of the thing, this is going to be what is going to go on social because maybe if you don't even see the whole thing, you can get a glimpse of, you know, just – what I consider an important part or a powerful part of the framing and phrasing of whatever I'm talking about. Well, that is from reading. <laughs> it's yeah. like, you know, um, so reading is huge. Reading will help you, um, help you avoid inconsistencies in your commentary. You know what I mean? Um, it'll give, it'll help you develop language. So you don't sound redundant every time you talk about something. Yeah. Um, very important whether you're making video commentaries, if you're podcasting, if you're live streaming, or if you're writing articles. You know, it all it it it, trans, it traverses all planes, um, and it helps you. It, it, to me, it does the best job of learning how to make different references, similes, metaphors, allegories, and analogies, things yeah. like that. Right. Um, even if you're reading magazines, you know. I'm not saying go out there and, you know, you don't need a library card. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to go order Amazon, everything, but just, but just different stuff. Um, that's super important to, um, learn how to take L's because there's so many L's in journalism. You're not going to get everything right. You know, people make mistakes. You're going to, you're going to misquote, 
you know, uh, you're gonna misinterpret. You're gonna misinterpret. Yeah. You know. Um, so get used to that, and never, never have fear of saying my bad. It's like, like you know, I look. I I was in one of my favorite forums. It's called Boxden BX, right? And yep. uh, there's a there's like a group of people in there who like think I'm the worst journalist in the world, right? For two reasons, because I'm on, for a few reasons, I, I get two primary reasons with these guys. But um, one is because I'm on Shade 45 on All Out Show. I'm the rap reporter yep. on, that sh- on that show. And so they think I'm beholden to Eminem, right? And they personally have never got over Eminem saying the N-word when he was in high school, right? And then, or, or whatever point in time he did yeah. that, right? I don't want to. I don't want to marginalize what they're saying, mm-hmm. but you know. So to them, I'm a representation of everything wrong because I don't spend enough time calling out Eminem for things he's apologized for ad nauseum, right? So when I did game going outside, <laughs> they were really pissed, and there was a conversation about it looked like game was going to do eighteen thousand, and it looks like. When the final numbers came out, the way they were presented, it looked like he did 25, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I thought he did 18,000. And then I came back and said, oh, he over he exceeded expectations. He did 25. And one of those guys came at me and was like, dude, why'd you say he did 18,000? Honestly, your whole credibility as a journalist just went out the window, yo. Jeez. And I was like, <clears throat> and I just I replied to him simply. I'm like, oh, yeah, like I told the other homie, I made a mistake. Sometimes people make mistakes. Mm-hmm. That is a crucial part about being a journal- journalist because that's accountability is something that is you have to hold yourself to. And accountability is something that your audience will notice over a period of time. So regardless of how successful you are or how big your audience gets, those cracks will start to show if you're never accountable for anything that you say. And so a lot of that gets lost in the in modern media because modern media is all about you know, uh, pivoting, changing the conversation, moving the goalposts, you know, everyone has to look like a superhero. Well, there's riches and niches, right? And you have to understand that words do have consequences. Yeah, words are powerful. Words matter. Words are powerful and words matter. You know what I mean? So, um, and this is just for people who specifically want to talk about music, but one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was remember you're talking about people's dreams. And mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why I don't do diss tracks, right? I could do a critical piece and find other ways to talk about friction in the conversation. But ultimately these are people's dreams, yeah. right? They want to get their message out. They want to get their art out. Um, just like I do. And just like I did. And so I never, never lose sight of that fact and never squander an opportunity to help someone. That's good, I man. I feel like some of these guys do the opposite, man. <laughs> some people, oh. I don't want to say names, but some of these journalists, I feel like they like will just bash artists like artists aren't like some of the most sensitive people. Creatives are just sensitive, man. So like, and you're well aware of that, but I feel like some of these journalists will like talk about artists where I'm like, like, bro, like, what did they do to you? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, you know, I mean, unless it's Post Malone. <laughs> Some people, I understand you doing what you got to do, man. I ain't going to lie. And I'm, I'll be I'll be honest with you. Like, I do like some of Post Malone's songs. Like, I can't help it. But, like, the the whole thing with, like, calling them rap and what you say, I, I agree. I do agree with you. Mm-hmm. I can't, yeah. you know. I can you look at like, it from both ways. <laughs> sounds like you're making Juice World songs to me. <laughs> no yeah you know you're right no i mean that's that's some funny stuff right there man <laughs> oh man that's great justin i love yeah. it though man but yo man um i really appreciate you bringing it on the podcast man um this has been a really dope conversation just chopping it up about everything music wise um is there anything you want to plug for the people where they can reach you what anything coming up what do you want to leave the hair with? yeah 100 percent, man one company man on youtube the yes, company sir. man on YouTube, you know, the just company cross, man, right? <laughs> just crossed the uh, just crossed a hundred thousand <clears> on <throat> um, subscribers, which is dope. It's funny because it took me nine weeks to get here, right? Um, so I've been like nine weeks away for three years. Isn't that crazy? 
Yeah, it's how it goes sometimes. It's kind of crazy. Not this way for three years. Um, <laughs> two, uh, I am a partner in a company called BTSN, Behind the Scenes Network. Okay. And so we've launched a platform that is designed for creators um, that will focus on the behind the scenes aspect of various industries. Behind the scenes content is something that usually lives adjacent to a primary product, i.e., oh, behind the scenes of the Marvel movie. I just saw the behind the scenes clip of the Marvel movie. But there isn't one platform that specializes in that. So we're filling that void, galvanizing that opportunity. And we're licensing different podcasts. We're licensing different content uh, from all kinds of creators. So um, if people are interested in seeing if they can have their content on the platform, reach out to me. Uh, we have, we're currently available on Amazon Fire TV and Roku. We'll be on iOS uh, next month. And then we officially launched, we're not in the marketplace yet. We officially launched November 1st. And even though we're not in the marketplace, we have 572,000 active users already. Um, so this is wow. moving and it's gonna go big. A lot of really, really seasoned, powerful people in the music industry are behind it. So reach out to me for that. And then I also work with a company called Music 360, which is Barry Hankerson, who's Aaliyah's uncle. Um, he created a music streaming platform that's the nexus between streaming and social media. And so we just launched this earlier this year. Music 360, all one word, um, you know, come come join and, and see what, what we got going on over there. Wow, man. I'm about to tap in with that, man. Okay, sure. sweet. Well, Justin Hunt, the company man. Thank you very much for being on the show, man. I really appreciate your time, man. Likewise. Appreciate you. Thank you for having me. For sure, y'all. Ladies and gentlemen, that's another episode of the Tempest Zone Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in, and make sure you tune in for the next one. All right, y'all? Peace out. Peace out.